compulsive debting and why your money problems are never about money. We get into that and more with a special guest, Joan Sotkin and episode 95. Are you ready to dive in? Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the preferred podcast by many women across the globe to help you take control of your finances. Join me, Jen Hempill, a motivational money coach and your host each week as I share with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's do it. Bienvenida to you. That is a welcome in Spanish. Why not teach some Spanish along the way in addition to some money stuff? A win-win, right? I am excited that you are joining me today. I have a great guest for you that has not just knowledge for the sake of knowledge, but a lot of experience behind that knowledge, which is so helpful. You'll notice as we chat what she talks about, the concepts, Her philosophies and so forth are completely aligned with what you hear me talk about and teach, which is why I'm excited to share her with you. In this episode, you're going to learn what she learned from her time in attending Debtors Anonymous. She will share with you why money issues are never about money and what they really are about and how your finances, it's all about data entry. So let me share with you a little bit about Joan Sotkin. She helps entrepreneurs and practitioners experience freedom from struggle personally, professionally, and financially. She is the expert when it comes to understanding how emotions learned in early childhood can affect a person's business and financial outcomes. Thousands of people have benefited from her groundbreaking book, Build Your Money Muscles, and her ongoing support programs. Let's go ahead and meet Joan now. Welcome, Joan Sotkin, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am excited to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. Well, you're such a wealth of knowledge. You've done so much, accomplished so much, and I can't wait for you to share what you're going to share today. Who knows how, where we'll take us. But first, I wanted to get to know you and your money story. So if you could share with us a little bit about how you grew up around money. Okay. So remember, I was brought up a long time ago. I was born in 1940. Well, I was born in 1940, so that's a long time ago. And the whole money consciousness was so different then. Anyhow, my father was a compulsive debtor. He just spent money all the time. And my mother was the co-compulsive debtor. So he, he'd come home and say, I just bought a boat. And she'd go, Bruce. You know, It was <laughs> like how they interacted. And she was pretty good with money. She, was, she actually became a General Motors accountant and could handle the stuff to the penny but she didn't do that well managing her home stuff. And so I wasn't given a good background in how to save money. My parents never saved any money. So I had to kind of learn it on my own. A good story was when I was a sophomore in high school, my father was sick and tired of giving me money. And he said, I'm going to give you $1,000 for the year and don't ask me for money anymore. And I actually got this this pad and I divided each page into four weeks and I kept exactly what I was doing. 
And by the end of the year, I had $300 left over. But then my parents borrowed the money from me and never paid it back. Oh, my goodness. Every time I would get money saved, either a husband or my parents, someone would borrow it from me and not pay it back. So I never learned that saving paid. And I became a compulsive debtor. That's what I learned. And then in the 1980s, I had this big business. I borrowed $1,200 from a friend because I borrowed money a lot and built it up to the point where I was making, in today's money, $50,000 a month. Oh, wow. And wound up going bankrupt because I didn't know how to manage cash flow. Mm. And that was a pretty debilitating experience for me because I loved the business. I had this crystal business that I really loved. And over the years, I just decided to really learn about money management, which I've done. And I also came to understand the connection between emotions and money. When I first got to Debtors Anonymous in the 1980s, I learned that there was money had had emotional issues behind it, just like eating does. So I became fascinated by that because I came from a family where the spoken rule was Sotkins don't feel. And once I started feeling, it was like, wow, (laughs) this is great. And I went to Codependence Anonymous where you were encouraged to talk about your feelings. So over the years, because I'm so intuitive now, I've, I've been meditating since 1972, I really have come to understand on a very deep level the connection between money and emotions. So if someone's having a money problem, it's really never about money. It's Mm -hmm. about what emotions are they bringing to the situation that are habitual that they learned in early childhood. And that forms the base of what I'm teaching now. Love it. Love it. So I know with Debtors Anonymous, you learn about the emotions. So what other valuable lessons did you learn? Of course, besides not getting into debt anymore, but what other valuable lessons do you think you took from your time? Well, for me, being part of a group where I could be honest and share what was going on, I came to understand how alone I felt and how that was affecting my finances. And of course, I took that to a much deeper level later on. But you also learn how to keep track of your money. And they, in Debtors Anonymous, they have something called a pressure group. And the idea is for you to get together with two other people. I don't know if they still call it that, uh, where you get together with two other people and they help you figure out how to come up with a spending plan. And this was before computers, before we had any software for managing money. And so the idea of making financial decisions and that there was a way to make financial decisions was very important. And it got to the point where I helped other people with it. I'd become part of a pressure group because I was good at figuring it out. And that's something I do now with people is help them create either a spending plan or to see what, you know, how to manage cash flow. To me, that as a business owner, I see that that's the most important thing I I learned all along the way was how to manage cash flow. Right. And now since you've been, and I'm just curious with this, since you're such a success story to the Debtors Anonymous, do you work with them or do something with them? Okay, I was curious. They're a separate organization. I often send my clients to Codependence Anonymous. Okay, interesting. Because a lot of our money habits 
as our life habits are based in codependency. Mm -hmm. And I do have clients who I send to either Debtors Anonymous or business owners that is debtors anonymous. There's a specific one for business owners. Oh wow. And, okay. And they have gotten great value out of it. What's good about that is it's free. And so if you can't afford coaching, it's a good place to go. You have to test out different groups though, because some groups people just fetch a lot about their money. Mm. You want to get into a place where there are uh solutions and business owners debtors anonymous often has that. That's interesting. I thank you for sharing that. Now you also talk about building those money muscles. So tell us a little bit about what you teach, maybe some tips, some exercises to build those money muscles. Okay. Well, first of all, it's never about money. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever whatever (laughs) problem you think you're having with money, it's not about money. So there are two things you have to do in order to change your financial position. That's what we're talking about is changing your financial position. Because where you are is a habit. So if you look at it and say, well, I have to create a set of different habits in order to have a different financial outcome. So first of all, you've got to absolutely learn to manage your money. People go, oh, I'm not very good with numbers. And I'll say, you don't have to be good with numbers. You just have to be good with data entry because (laughs) the software tells you exactly what's going on. And if you're not willing to develop a habit of keeping track of your money, you're not serious about making more money. Because what happens, it's like when I started making $50,000 a month, I had no idea how to make the decisions that went with that. I mean, I knew how to put the money in software. There wasn't any QuickBooks or Quicken at that time. So I created something in FileMaker. So I knew how much was coming in, but I didn't know how to make the financial decisions. And now when you're in today's market, if you're using something like Quicken or QuickBooks, then you can see exactly where your money's coming from and where it's going, and you can make better decisions. If you've never managed money before, it's not a bad idea to get a coach so that they can give you some focus. But along with the money management, which is essential, particularly if you're in business, If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And along with that, it's important to understand, and this is where so many coaches don't get into this arena, is what are the feelings? What are the emotions that you developed in early childhood that you're acting out through your money? For example, under-earning and what I call over-earning, people don't need another billion dollars. So there's under-earning and over-earning where you always need more and more and more, or I never have enough. That comes from touch deprivation in childhood. That's one of the causes, okay? Mm -hmm. Because you never got the touching that you needed as a little baby. You never bonded well with your parents. And that leaves you with feelings of longing and aloneness, both of which act themselves out through under-earning. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. No, and I couldn't agree more because that is something when I started doing this that 
I feel like the money skills, like where it comes to managing your money, is just a small portion of that pie piece, right? And the emotions, the money mindset, all of that is like the basis. It's kind of like the foundation of your home, and it needs to be a strong one. So I love that you talk about that, but you bring in more of emotions, uh, the feelings that you、uh, may have around money. So that is definitely very helpful. And do you have a favorite money quote? Well, I just used it actually. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your money. You don't know your business. And if you're not in business and you don't know your numbers, you can't make good financial decisions. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Comes from there's a television show, The Profit, with Marcus Lemonis,、mm-hmm. where he goes in on, on and saves failing businesses. And most failing businesses have a problem because they don't know how to manage cash flow. Right, right, makes sense. And what would you say you do well with money? Obviously, you've had such、uh, a, an experience with debt.、Uh, you've overcome that.、Uh, you've gotten into the field of more of a holistic teaching around money. So, what would you think? Do you think you do really well with money? Manage cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the things I did, I used to ha- look for how to do it in software, and so. It made no sense to me because as a business owner, I can't plan six months in advance because I never know what my income is. Particularly as a solopreneur, it's not like I have huge amounts of money coming in. I need to really know where I am because there are times when I'll slow down for a while, and I need to know when money is slower that I'm not going to run out of it, and I want to get rid of all financial fear. So I created a spreadsheet which I make available to people if they want it, where in one screen it keeps track of everything you have to pay out, when it's due, and what's coming in. So how much more do you have to bring in? And I get to use that every single month. Most people don't mind managing their money when they have a lot of it. When it starts getting tight. They don't want to look at their numbers yet. That's the time that's, you have to do the best with your money. Absolutely. Now, so you mentioned a spreadsheet that you have available probably on your、uh, website, and it's primarily for business owners, is what I. Well, you can use it for personal too. It's got、okay. one sheet for business and one sheet for personal. And if they go to prosperityplace.com/slash/spreadsheet, there's a video that shows you how to use it, and there's the spreadsheet. Okay. Perfect. So you've mentioned the spreadsheet. You've mentioned also Quicken. Do you have a favorite either app or software that you really, really love,、uh, whether for business or personal finances? You know, I use Quicken for my personal,、mm-hmm. and I use QuickBooks for business. Okay.、Uh, I had tried the QuickBooks online a couple of years ago, but I didn't like the reports that I got. There are certain reports that I use in QuickBooks, so I can see. For example, in one report, my P and L, my profit and loss for every month. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you.、Uh, the last twelve months, so I can see my patterns. I can see which months are the best generally, and and. You're never finished learning about your money. There's always more you can learn, particularly if you're in business. And to me, that's why I use QuickBooks. It's really good. I also like the fact 
that for my coaching, I can send people invoices and they can pay through uh, Intuit Payment Network, I think they still call it. So I just send the invoice, they pay from the invoice, and it only costs me 50 cents a transaction. Mm -hmm. So I'm not paying two and a half to four percent with my coaching clients, which I really like. Right, right. No, it makes sense. And what would you say is your proudest money moment? Well, I think when I had my crystal business and the first time I mailed out 50,000 catalogs, which was a big deal. Remember, we didn't have the internet. So I made were the rave. (laughs) And I had put them all together by myself and had them mailed out by some service. And it went out. And I remember the first day I went to the mailbox because I had a a mailbox then. (laughs) There was no shopping cart. And uh, and there was, in today's money, it would be close to $10,000. And that was quite a high. Right. So, um, because you said 50,000, is that what you said? In in today's money, I mean, it was $50,000 a year, actually. So, the day I went to the mailbox, there was $5,000, which would be somewhere between eight and 10 in today's money. Right. And but you mailed out how many catalogs? 50,000. That's what I thought I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw them. I had them printed and sent to the distributor and they mailed them out. One of the reasons when I found the internet in 1995, when I first got on online in August of 1995, it was like, oh my God, and you don't have to pay postage. I had spent $30,000 on postage that year, the, the year that I made all that money. Wow. That's a lot of and money. And so, I mean, the internet has just changed everything. It's fabulous. And the fact that, I mean, in the last two days, I've sent out 16,000 emails and it was no big deal. And it's just <laughs> part of what I do. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, definitely. The internet definitely has changed uh, so many things and the possibilities right. of what you right. can do in business and everything. And I'm so amazed that so many people are not willing to learn it. Mm. You know, I just published a Kindle book, Kindle and Create Space book. And I had people calling me and saying, can I just piggyback on the top of what you're doing with the marketing? Because I can't do this stuff. <laughs> well, in this day and age, if you don't know how to use the Internet, if you know, I'm 75 years old and I'm like in my spiritual group, I'm the techie. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> You know, because if you're going to exist in the 21st century, you have to know how to do business on the Internet if you're a business person. And even if you're not, you need to have some facility online so that you know what you're doing. You're not buying into the false stories that they're putting on. You have to know what's going on there. Otherwise, you're functioning in a land that we have no control over what's going on. Yeah, I really love that you're not afraid to do it because you podcast, you obviously you run your business online, you do, you mentioned the Kindle book, all these things. And my mom, she won't even turn on the cell phone when she leaves the house and, or she hardly ever has it on. <laughs> and so right. it's just, it's just funny. So I'm just, I love, love how not afraid you are to do those different and, and things. I, and I wasn't a techie. I was an English major qualified to do nothing. And, <laughs> you know, but it was real clear to me when I got online that I could have a mail order business, 
without having to pay postage. So it was to my advantage to learn what was going on and to learn how to use software. And it's not rocket science. It's not uh, developed for geniuses. It's developed for the average intelligence. (laughs) So all you have to do is make the decision to learn. Like when I did the Kindle book, I had someone else format it for me and I just didn't like the way it looked. So I had bought a a course. I I buy courses. I try to learn from people who know more than I do. (laughs) And so I bought a, a, a Udemy course on how to market Kindle books and how to build them. And I just followed the directions for formatting a Kindle book. It took me about 20 minutes and it was really easy. So when you know how to use software, you're not at the mercy of other people, no matter what it is you want to do. Absolutely. And there's a lot of things in terms of finances that you can also learn a lot online as well. Uh, yes. Whether obviously you have podcasts, you have the courses, blogs, course, courses, courses, there's so much that you can do on your own. You have to have that discipline because you can easily buy a course and not put it into action. But there's right. definitely so many things that you can do uh, independently to better your financial scope. So how would, who would, would you say influenced you the most in the area of money? Actually, my father, I learned what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a, a few times that the, what they've learned or what the most, the influence was the person that what, influenced more is what they taught him what not to do. Not to so, do. <laughs> and I have, I have a brother who really moved against the tide and he became a multimillionaire. Love it. So he's someone I go to for advice. And he, as he says, he didn't always make the right decisions. But somewhere along the line, he decided to sock it away. I mean, he was a brilliant businessman who had a very large business. His main client was, and his business still is, uh, dealing with Walmart all the time. So Mm. he made his money selling truckloads of stuff to Walmart. And so to this day, I have a deal with him that if I'm going to spend more than $2,000 on something, I have to ask his advice. Oh, that lo- love it. Love it. You know, love one, it. Of the, one of the biggest problems with dealing with money is feeling alone. Mm-hmm. And so you need to get someone to whom you're accountable. And that's just so important. Right. Because it's in, in how it is right now, I think it's getting better, but money conversations are very few, right? To where money right. can be yes. so taboo, which is also like how you mentioned, um, which I understand why you felt alone and why it's so important to find someone that you're comfortable with and talking. Because uh, not just the talking aspect, but being able to, like you go to your brother to, for him to give you some feedback for that as well. And, but you also, I think have to know, go with your gut and trust your instincts as to who you can, because you don't want to be an open book uh, to just anybody. Cause unfortunately you just can't trust um, everybody. You you can have someone to whom you're accountable without having to share all your numbers. I know I had a, I have a friend who is in construction and he went through some pretty hard times. And he was starting to rebuild his business. And I said, get yourself a mentor. Find someone in the construction business who's willing to help you. And within a week, he found the perfect person. And it just changed his whole business. And it grew much faster than he expected. No, absolutely. It's, it's sometimes just talking to someone about finances or whatever, you'd be amazed the feedback. And because I know personally, I learn from the people that... 
I teach uh, my clients, the people and my members. I, there's so many things because money, there's no one way approach to, to do things uh, that you can. I'm definitely still learning. So I love that you brought that up. This has been fabulous, Joan. I really have enjoyed having you here. And as you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because... Because without knowing how to handle your money, (laughs) you're going to have a pretty tough life. And the interesting fact is, if you want to make a lot more money than you're making now, you better learn how to manage your money. Absolutely. And knowing those numbers is so important. So I really appreciate all that you shared, Joan. It's been such a treat. For me too. Thanks so much. So what did you think of this interview? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy chatting with Joan. If Joan completely resonated with you, make sure you check her out. She has a podcast that's called the Prosperity Show Podcast, and her website is prosperityplace.com. And I'll be sure to have those links in the show notes. I want to talk more about Joan's story where she shared that she was making at one point in her business $50,000 a month uh, and then went bankrupt. But first, as usual, I want to give a quick shout out to one of our community members. And this week's shout out goes to Jenica. I want to recognize you, Jenica, because one, you have been active frequently in the group a lot lately. And from what you have shared, you are continuously progressing. And I absolutely love hearing that. And just by you being in there, Jenica, it also serves as inspiration for others, especially those who have not come out of the shell yet, because yes, we have some lurkers in the group and that's completely okay. So I really want to thank you for that. Now let's get back to what I wanted to share in regards to Joan's story. So as you heard, she was making at one time early on, this was a long time ago, what ended up being $50,000 a month and then went bankrupt. And of course, it's common to hear how celebrities or professional athletes go bankrupt even after making a ton of money. And it's all boils down to managing your money, managing that cash flow. In fact, I related to her story. Okay, so we didn't go bankrupt, but we didn't see much of the money that we made. So if you listened to last week's episode in episode 94, I shared with you how I've always been a great saver. Always. Still to this day, I'm a great saver. But there was one point where we were also great at being able to deplete those savings. So we put a lot of money in and then all of a sudden it was gone. Of course, When that happened at the time, what always came to my mind was always, it's okay, we'll rebuild and not deplete it next time. It kind of sounds like a diet or exercise routine that we talk about starting on Monday, but don't completely follow through, right? Well, the next time didn't come until much later. We got stuck in that cycle for mm, about 10 to 12 years. And that is 10 to 12 years where we lost on the opportunity of the growth of that money that we were continuously putting in, but we lost on it because we just continuously took it out. And what's even sad about this, of course, I don't dwell on the past because a past is a past. But if I think about it, the money that we ended up spending, some of that 
and things that we don't even value, we don't even have anymore. So that's pretty sad, right? But the past is the past. We got to move forward. But we also just didn't know what we didn't know, right? We didn't have a good system or a strategy in place to prevent this from happening. And that is so essential. So you may be seeing a similar story with you. And if if you are just sick and tired of not being able to move forward, I can help. If you are in a position not only to invest in one-on-one coaching, but to commit, I encourage you to set up an appointment with me to talk. It's a free consultation call, which is different from a coaching call. And in that call, we'll see what we can do to get you out of that cycle. Yes, I know committing to the coaching is an investment that can be scary. I completely get that. But when you walk away with the tools, the systems, the know-how that will last a lifetime and more confidence and control over your money, what price tag would you put on that? It's pretty priceless if you ask me. And yes, what price tag you would put on is different for everyone. But just think of the money that you will be banking over and over for the years to come instead of letting it fall through the cracks, right? So if you want, you are interested, uh, please go ahead and schedule a complimentary consultation session over at jenhemphill.com forward slash session. Now that is a wrap for today. Next week on the podcast, we are going to continue the talk on debt. And I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down the difference between the compulsive debting that we heard about today and the difference between that and just getting back to debt. Because sometimes you get out of debt and find yourself back in debt. But does that really make you a compulsive debtor? Is that really a bad thing? thing in terms of getting back into debt. There is a difference between the compulsive debtor and then something happens in life and you have to get back in debt. So there's a reason why I'm doing this and it's important for you to know. So be sure to tune in for that in episode 96. So that is definitely a wrap for today. I want to thank Joan for joining us, for sharing her story and all her knowledge. Be sure to check out the show notes on where to find Joan over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 95. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll talk again next Thursday.